This will show those radio station guys what's up. Don't call it a comeback. Find episode one. I am your host, Adam Portress. Now, uh, a couple of you out there are uh, know me and know me in real life and uh, friends of mine. You know that a couple, I guess maybe about a month ago, I had a uh, an opportunity to be in a uh, radio contest, and uh, I lost with flying colors. It was fantastic. Well, maybe not flying colors, but I did uh, I did not get into the top ten, so I did not get a chance to do a uh, radio show about movies. Uh, on actual radio waves. Uh, so I decided to get back into podcasting. I did a podcast a while back, uh, the Serenity Now podcast. Please do not try to look it up on the internet because you will not find it. And uh, most of those shows were not all that great to begin with. But I think we got into a groove towards the end. But we did about 20 episodes. And uh, But I hope to do a lot more here. Uh, big thing is a lot with podcasts is consistency, and that's what we hope to uh, do with this podcast uh, here, uh, The Film Find. Uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, we have a website. It's thefilmfind.com. Make sure you put the the in there, thefilmfind.com. And uh, if you just go there, check out the site, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and uh, you know, make sure that you can keep up to date with the website because uh, what we're going to be doing, other than the podcast, is hopefully at least once a week do uh, some sort of video uh, blog, do uh, different uh, random, just random things on the internet there. So uh, make sure that you follow us on Facebook and, and Twitter. That way you can make sure to keep up. So if you're not going to the site on a very regular basis, at least if you have that going in your stream, you can kind of pull that out for yourself. Uh, but yeah, so I didn't win the contest, or at least get into the first top ten, so I didn't get to the second round. I guess mostly people wanted to hear uh, shows about politics, and uh, well... I don't know. I For me, I just thought the world could do with one less po- show about politics. So I decided, hey, uh, you know what? Screw this. I don't need this. I don't need to be on the radio, as it were. I can uh, I could just go back to podcasting. I can do that, not be controlled by the man. We don't have any you know, content restrictions here. We don't have any uh, time restrictions. We don't have to adhere to any of that crap. So uh, that's what I like about podcasting is that, you know, frees us open to do anything that we want to do. And uh, and that's what I'm going to do. So I'm going to do this uh, podcast uh, weekly, and I'm going to be bringing in a, uh, a different guest host. Uh, hopefully we can kind of get a steady stream of regular guest hosts to come in, but uh, we do have our first guest host on today, Miss Laura McCarricker. Hey, Laura, how's it going? I'm great. How are you? <laughs> I'm not too bad. It's taking us a while to get in this <laughs> kind of stuff all together here, but hopefully... Uh, it can all go down. Uh, let's let's go a little bit over uh, what we're going to be talking about on today's show. 
Uh, when we come back, we're going to do uh, our first segment. going to be called What You've Been Watching. Uh, Laura and I will go over a couple of things <laughs> we've been uh, seeing all during uh, the week, whether they be, you know, just uh, m- mostly at home stuff. We'll leave our big theater reviews to the end. Uh, then we'll come back and talk about movie reviews, or, or excuse me, we'll have movie news before our reviews. The movie news uh, segment, just anything that's kind of going on in Hollywood this week. Then we have two actual reviews for you guys today. There's a movie right now that's on uh, Netflix Watch Instantly called Copyright Criminals. We're going to review that, as well as uh, Take Shelter, a uh, new release movie that is out in theaters right now. I don't, it's probably uh, released earlier uh, for other cities, but for uh, Charlotte, kind of just released within the past week, I guess. Uh, And we'll also talk about what's coming out on DVD and Blu-ray and what's coming out on theaters next week and uh, what we'll be reviewing next week, Uh, plus a whole lot of other stuff. So uh, sit back, and uh, we will be right back with what we've been watching. Thinking about the times you drove in my car Welcome back to the Film Find. Our first segment today is What You've Been Watching, where we go over a little bit of uh, what we've been watching that hasn't been our uh, our main uh, feature reviews this week. Uh, just kind of anything, movies mostly, but eh, maybe an occasional television show here or there, because uh, let's be honest, there are some TV shows out there right now that are better than most uh, movies that are coming into theater, sadly. Uh, so let's start with you, Laura. What, what have you been watching this week? I have to say the most recent movie that I've seen ha- uh, has been Freddy's Dead, the sixth movie in the Nightmare on Elm Street film, uh, series. I have a very high tolerance for shitty films, so I decided to give that one another try after um, not having not seen it since I was a kid now, when it was first released. Now, now tell them what your whole goal, it's, it started, uh, this whole Nightmare on Elm Street marathon thing started uh, around Halloween, right? Yes, uh, yeah. Uh, my one of my roommates and I, we were discussing about uh, different uh, horror film series. If they hold up, you know, series that used to scare, to scare us to death when we were children. And my favorite, and still is my favorite, has been the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Series I started watching with my younger brother when we were about in the second grade, when we managed to sneak <laughs> uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Three. Yeah, Friday the 13th, part three, um, behind our mom's back when we went to go rent uh, some movies, VHSs, remember those, um, when we were young. <laughs> hmm. So so you've started out and, and gone through the series one by one. Uh, so five, it was, is this five or six that you watched? 
This is number six. The next one will be A New Nightmare, which is when Wes Craven returned to the series and directed a new movie. Yeah, the one that I, I actually liked New Nightmare. I thought New Nightmare was pretty good. Co- as In comparison, especially to oh, I liked the, it too. Uh, the other sequels that are mostly sucky. Except for th- three. I think pretty much everybody uh, can agree that three was really good. Three is my favorite. Not just because it's the first one I saw, but in rewatching all of these movies, I think it holds up. And you actually like the characters. You don't want them to die. The other people in most of the movies I couldn't give a shit about. Okay, so in the sixth one, this is, uh, what's the title again? Is that Freddy's, Freddy something or other? Freddy goes Freddy's to dead. Mercury. Uh, yeah, Freddy's dead. Freddy's dead. Uh, so... That's the uh, that's the one where like uh, Breck and Meyer gets thrown into a video game or some crap like that. Yes, and is killed by the power glove or Freddy wielding the power glove. Now, now wait a minute. Is it, now I haven't seen this in a long time. Now is it like the actual Nintendo power glove that he gets killed? Oh no, I'm sure they weren't able to get the rights for for that for the Nintendo Power Glove but it is a parody of it I mean it's very obvious it, it's very dated it really puts the movie in the early 90s I think anyone who didn't who wouldn't be familiar with that era in video gaming wouldn't get the joke when you know it looks like Breckenmeyer is about to be saved by his friends who are also in the same dream when Freddy locks the door and shuts out the other two characters and lifts up his forearm to reveal a bunch of buttons on his his forearm and he says oh now I've got the Power Glove and Oh, yeah, okay. you know, then yeah. kills off Breckenmeyer that way. Yeah, because there's there's no way. I highly doubt they would have been able to secure the rights from Nintendo in order to even use it. You know, only the wizard has that right. Yes. <laughs> the wizard. The wizard was like as as crappy as the wizard is. It's still a fun, dumb movie to watch. And really, when you watch, but it's been a really long time since I've seen it. I saw it. I, I haven't seen that in so long. I really don't remember it. They ran it on HD Net probably. I think I saw it like a year or two ago, like uh, just before it came out. If I, on Blu-ray, and yes, uh, the the Wizard is available on Blu-ray. Uh, no special features, from what I understand. The thing about the Wizard is when you watch it as a kid, it's one thing, but then when you watch it like as an adult and you know more about video games and you've played them for a longer time, uh, longer span of your life. Uh, seeing how, like, some of the stuff in it is just absolutely stupid, like how they have certain competitions between games and, like, how do you... I, I'm throwing out a game here because I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but, like, you know, how do you, quote-unquote, beat someone in Shinobi, you know? How do you beat someone? Beat it faster? I guess. I don't know if there's, like, faster, but, like, there's some things in there where you're like, how do you... uh? How do you quantify beating someone in like a single player game or something? And that's what that's like. I don't know. The only quantifier I think of is a speed through. If you're able to get through the game faster, or if you're unable to die, or or something like that, I, I'm not sure. Does that necessarily make you a better player, though? In that particular game, perhaps. I I don't know. Like I mean, it would really depend. Some people um don't branch out into all genres of video game. I mean, there's just a lot of ways you could describe that. Right. But I, I, I like I said, I don't know. It's it's so weird and no one ever no one ever questions these children at all. They're they get on, you know, this giant video game tour or whatever and uh and they go, they sign up, they do all these things. Never once do they have to, ha- like, do, does a p- 
parent have to a parent or a guardian or anyone have to sign any papers for these kids? I mean, like if you were like, I guess it's like, uh, you know, if you were a kid back then and you wanted to get into a video game competition, they're just letting kids in willy nilly. They don't care. What, you're a kid, you play video games? Get in here. What about parental consent? The hell with parental consent. You're going to sign this up, and you're going to play the ghosts and ghouls until your eyeballs pop out of your skull. It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. But Back in my day, Jimmy, we didn't need parental consent to play video games. We did what we wanted, and we were proud of it. But that's what's so silly, too, is uh, another part that's really, really neat uh, watching that movie is seeing how... Uh, they they really promote the uh, the call centers back in the day. Do you remember that? Remember when they had? Oh like, yeah, where you had to call and uh, get tips or hints for video games. Yeah. I think they've even continued doing that to the PlayStation One era. I want to say some of my old PlayStation One games have a uh, a hint line through Konami or something like that. I remember there was the one for Capcom. Like I guess you could call a Captain Capcom or something, right, to get a tip for a Capcom game. <laughs> That's weird. But yeah, so that that is one of the things. But like, th- it's like the dude that's like on their thing, uh, that like, it, and they keep getting the same guy. I don't know how that is, but he's like apparently he's their boy in the call center, and they 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 call up and they're like, "What's the highest uh, what's the highest uh, points for uh, X game or whatever, whatever the name of the game is." And this guy, like, he goes through and, like, he pulls out these giant binders and flips through them and just goes, well, the one for that one is. And then, like, you know, you see him, they go through this whole giant montage, and he's, like, loosened his tie, and he's, like, sitting back and, like, really dedicating a lot of time to helping, you know, this kid or something. And I'm like, where are they getting the money? Because it, it, wasn't it, like, two bucks a minute or something? It was, like, calling into, like, some, you know, uh, phone sex line or something where it was, like, $3 a minute for those calls, right? I think so. I just, I, I don't understand. I don't know. I've never used them. Uh, well, of course you didn't because your parents were good parents. You go, you're not calling a video game hotline and, and running up my phone bill. But anyway. I don't mean to sound like so amazing, but it never even crossed my mind to call anyone to get tips. I mean, my brothers and I would get Nintendo Power, any of the strategy guides, not actually call anyone. Oh, well, you're just that good. All right, I get you. No, I, uh, my brother and I were pretty good. I do know. Well, I, I know you well enough, so that's that's probably very true. Anyways, uh, but we were talking about Freddy's Dead. That was, or uh, is that the one? Yes, Freddy's Dead. Okay, so we're talking about Freddy's Dead. A little bit of a tangent there, but that tends to happen. Um, so Freddy's Dead. Uh, that that one looked terrible, but like, okay, it is that okay? So far, is that the worst one in your opinion? Yes, hands down, the worst one. Okay, what's the next one? Oh, so we're gonna rank them in, in yeah, order yeah, from right, worst right. to best. From worst, from worst to best. Well, you know, obviously, we pretty much know where your best goes. But uh, yeah, what's next worst? Okay, well, of course, this includes. I still haven't seen Freddy versus Jason. I I still haven't watched a new Nightmare again. So I have to take those out of consideration. Right. But um, after that one, I'd say. Just consider the original run. Okay. I would say the worst would be, obviously, Freddy's Dead. It's just ridiculous. I mean, you just it's not even funny to, to watch it. It's just Picard face-palming my way through that movie. Like, oh, I can't believe they're doing this. Then right after that would be Part 5, The Dream Child, which was a follow-up to Part 4, which introduced um, those characters. Um, the two that had survived from Part 2, or Part 4 had gotten pregnant and had, or were going to have a kid in Part 5. That Freddy was going to take over 
and use them to kill people. It was ridiculous. No, Those two are bad. Now, I haven't seen part f- uh, part four in a long time, but uh, part five was pretty pretty bad. Part part five part five. Well, see, the big problem with part five was is that as bad as it was, it still like it had something in there. I think like it could. Have well, I I liked the the main character. Well, I liked the main character played by Lisa Wilcox. I, I liked her a lot, you know. I, I wanted her to win, but her friends were just stupid. I didn't care if they died or not, and, and they did have pretty terrible deaths compared to the previous movies. Hey, look, when Flock of Seagulls gets hey. chopped up as a comic book and the Aha's take on me kind of thing. <laughs> it's terrible. Anyways, all right, so that's, that's Freddy's Dead. Freddy's Dead is a piece of crap. Uh, we all know that. Yeah, so I haven't been uh, watching movies as much as I've just been buying them up like crazy. Uh, I've gotten a lot of uh, a lot of Blu-rays. There's been a lot of decent sales and stuff, so I've kind of jumped on that. Barnes & Noble had a half-off thing, so uh, I bought Stanley Kubrick's The Killing, which also has a, uh, a, a uh, copy of Killer's Kiss on the same disc, so I thought that was pretty neat. And at the same time, speaking of Stanley Kubrick, I... Uh, I got one of his. I I got the uh, the big Blu-ray box set. So with that and the Paths of Glory that I previously owned on Blu-ray, I now own every major Stanley Kubrick film on Blu-ray, and I need to really just make some time to sit down and watch them all. But I think that's actually what we uh, what I want to do with you because you haven't seen any of his movies, right? No, I haven't. <laughs> no, but see, that's okay. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, it's a segment that we uh, that we're eventually going to end up doing. Uh, called a list of shame. Now, uh, for a lot of people out there, uh, I don't know if you know what this is or not, but a list of shame is something that, like, it seems like you. We all have one. We all have a list of shame of movies that it seems like everybody in the world has seen except for you. Uh, you know, and they may just be big, giant, popular movies, and but for some reason or another, not necessarily because you didn't want to see them, but you just never got around to seeing them because you were watching something else. And so, but that's what we're going to do on another segment for another week is to do a little list of shame. We'll list a movie that, you know, seems everybody else has seen but you, and then we'll watch it and then uh, talk about it the, uh, the following week. But, uh, but, yeah, so I got a lot of Stanley Kubrick films on, uh, on Blu-ray. I just got the, uh, the Man With No Name trilogy on Blu-ray. Uh, I got a lot of stuff and yet not a ton of... Uh, ton of time to really watch it just yet and you'd think being unemployed i'd have a ton of time to watch stuff but no i'm i'm busy doing nothing it's one of those that's going to cut into my sitting around time so yeah i've seen more than you have and i have a full-time job it's weird isn't it yeah a little bit but um when i'm done video games too so that's that's a little something yeah, I have as well. But when I'm done with watching all of the um, Nightmare on Elm Street films, I'm going to go through all of the Friday the 13th movies because I haven't seen all of those at all. And uh, right after that will be Critters. Maybe it's just me and my own personal thing, but I think as far as quality per movie, I think you get more out of the Friday the 13th series than you do out of Nightmare. Ooh, we'll have to see. I have to watch them all before I can make that judgment. I, I mean, there are there are more movies, aren't there? I mean, there's only, what is it, seven or eight, not including the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street. I think there's seven or eight movies, right, right with so, Freddy? Exactly. So there's 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 eight, there's eight uh, Friday 13th movies uh, uh, that are all owned by Paramount. 
then you have then you go over to the well, what's called the new line era of of uh of Jason Voorhees, which includes Jason Goes to Hell and Jason X, and then we have Freddy versus Jason, if you even want to get into that, which I think is a fantastic movie. So, so good. I have a copy of it. I've had a copy of it on DVD for years that a friend gave to me, and I, I just kept forgetting that I owned it. I never saw it. And uh, I will watch it as soon as I'm done watching New Nightmare. I'm not letting myself watch that movie before I see <laughs> A New Nightmare. But yeah, I I think that those are all those are all really good. But yeah, um, I would say the um, the Friday Thirteenth series, one, two, and three. Actually, one, two, three, and four are really good. Five is five is in, like it isn't good. Five is not a good movie, but it tries to do something interesting right after what happens in four. And I won't spoil anything for you. But it's kind of a four was supposed to be the last Jason movie that was out there, last Friday Thirteenth movie. That's the final chapter, That's right? That's the final chapter, as as is its name. It doesn't even have the number, and it's technically not even four. It's Friday the 13th, the final chapter. So it's supposed to be the last one in the series, but then they were like, well, crap, this made a lot of money. Well, we got to keep going. I mean, it's just like the final destination. It was not the final destination. Or Freddy's dead. He really wasn't. Not so much. But... Uh, I don't know. I, As a child, I had seen the first Friday the 13th movie. Um, not too long after being introduced to horror by uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. And I found Freddy Krueger scarier than Jason because Jason would only mess with you if you were in his area, you know? Oh, I'm not saying you could run he... away. You could run away from Jason, you know? Yeah, but you I'm can't run away from sleeping. Character. I'm not saying he's a better character by any stretch of the imagination. He is a He's a much worse character, but I'm saying as a whole, as far as movies go... Jason, the the Friday Thirteenth movies are are better. While Jason is the inferior uh, uh, villain of the piece or protagonist, depending on how you know you look at it, could be both. Uh, but those just movie per movie, I think uh, the Friday Thirteenth movies are, are a little bit better. I mean, six is kind of like weird and out there, as well as seven. Eight eight is where I think they really started to super suck. Jason is that Manhattan. the one? Yeah, Manhattan. I remember. Isn't that the one where the girl gets killed by her own electric guitar? If I'm not mistaken, I just, I really tried to block most of that movie out of my mind. <laughs> All I remember is Kelly Who's in it. That's about Ke- it. Kelly Who? Yeah, exactly. Ah, no, uh, Kelly Who from. Uh, oh wait a minute, Lady Deathstrike, right? Exactly. Okay. All know right. People know. I, I know who you're talking about now, but I, I will say this about the Friday the 13th series, is that the original movie, the first one, holds up better when compared to the first Fri- um, Nightmare on Elm Street movie. You're going to say that with all the short shorts and... Uh, yeah, I'll say that. Like, I mean, short shorts. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that even though the, uh, the effects by Tom Savini don't hold up that well. I mean, especially when you see Kevin Bacon um, getting killed by the, uh, what was it, an arrow being shoved through his throat. Yeah. I mean, it's very obvious where Kevin Bacon's neck ends and the makeup begins. But um, with the scares, the, the premise, um, it just visually looks better to me than the first Nightmare on Elm Street film. And I think what really um, hurts the first Nightmare on Elm Street film, in my personal opinion, is the synth music, which is really painful for me to say because I love synth music. Anyone who knows me knows that I love New Wave with a passion. Hmm. But but it really dates the hell out of that first movie. You can tell it's definitely been October because we've just we've really like really <laughs> October's over, but yet we're still all talking about. Uh, well, I love horror films. I love horror films. I love horror, especially cheesy B movie horror. 
and we'll, we'll get into some of your love of B-movie uh, stuff later. Well, that's a little bit of what we've been watching right now. Other than I've also been watching The Walking Dead. It's okay. It's I'm not, behind. Don't spoil it for me, please. No spoilers, but uh, it's it's good, but it's not great. I feel it could be a little bit better. It seems like it's kind of languishing and moving along a little bit, but I mean, hopefully things will pick up soon, I hope. There is a special guest star in this week. I won't ruin that, but uh, for those of you that have seen it, know that that was pretty cool. I've only seen the first episode of the new season. I, I just keep forgetting to um, to watch it. I've been obsessed with Boardwalk Empire. Get on top of it. We'll talk a little bit about a little bit about Boardwalk Empire. Come up a little bit later in our uh, main review. Uh, so that's it for uh, the what you've been watching segment. Uh, we're gonna take a little break right now. We're gonna come back with some new movie news. Stick around. Welcome back, everybody. It's time for Movie News, where we talk a little bit about uh, what's been going on in the world of Hollywood the last uh, week here. I'll be honest, this week, not a whole lot of news, just a little bit here and there. Um, a couple things. First thing, let's start off and talk about uh, Traffic and Syriana writer Stephen Gagan rewrote M. Night Shyamalan's 1000 AE. Now, what does this mean for most people? Um, it means that M. Night Shyamalan is finally doing something right and letting someone else take over the reins of one of his projects. I'm excited about this. Uh, I don't think M. Night Shyamalan's made a fantastic film since uh, Unbreakable, and I don't think he's made a really, really, uh, like a really good film since uh, The Village. Now, granted, I, I'm not as big a hater on uh, Shyamalan stuff uh, like everyone else is. Though I do believe that uh, The Last Airbender was an absolute disaster and a complete piece of crap. Uh, but other than that, I really don't hate his stuff as much as everyone else does. I I find a little bit uh, to like in both The Happening and The Lady in the Water. Most people hate those movies. I don't particularly hate them. I think, uh, sadly, uh, M. Night Shyamalan's become a, uh, a victim of his own success in many ways. Um, but that's the big thing. But the the nice part to hear is that he's taking, uh, he's letting someone else rewrite his stuff, and I think that might be the difference uh, between a good movie and a bad movie. And uh, Traffic and Syriana were both fantastic films, and to have someone that's got those kind of writing chops on an M Night Shyamalan film, getting rid of his crappy dialogue or whatever, and uh, putting in some good stuff, well, it's it's nice to see. Any thoughts? Well, sadly, Traffic is one of those movies I've never seen. Not because I didn't want to, it just never got to it. But I did see Syriana, and I liked that a lot. I saw that in the theaters when it came out. 
Um, I'm not a big hater of M. Night Shyamalan either, but I, I haven't seen too many of his films because I somehow surround myself with assholes who like to spoil the endings to things. Like, a, yeah, some some kid in high school ruined the ending for The Sixth Sense, and uh, as soon after The Happening came out, one of my friends was ranting about how much he hated it and then explained The Happening. And I was like, well, there's no point in me really watching that movie. Uh, the only one I've ever seen of his that uh, the ending wasn't ruined for me was The Village, and I liked The Village, too. The Village was good because I thought it was, like, just really, uh, it, it was it was a Twilight Zone episode made into a feature film, really. But, yeah, uh, I I enjoyed it quite a lot. But it's it's good to see, see actually the the funny part is uh, about this uh, this um, one thousand A.E. story is that it initially wasn't an M Night Shyamalan uh, thought at all. I I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was someone else's script. Shyamalan got it, kind of rewrote everything for himself, and now he's giving it off to somebody else to redo for him. So I think. The combination of all that might be uh, might bode well, and uh, we may get a Shyamalan film that uh, people like. But I gotta say, uh, we we gotta get you to watch Unbreakable. Unbreakable is uh, honestly, I think everybody keeps everybody says Six Sense, Six Sense, but I think Unbreakable is really M Night Shyamalan's masterpiece. Not only from a writing perspective, but definitely from a visual perspective. It is a beautifully shot movie and probably some of the best performances that we've ever seen from Bruce Willis and uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Really good flick. I would like to see it. It's just, it's not something I actively didn't want to see. I just never got around to it. Uh, let's see. Up next, uh, Harry Potter director David Yates to make big screen Doctor Who. Now, uh, I know that you and I are just now getting into Doctor Who. We feel like really bad geeks for being super late on this, but... Uh, at Dragon Con this year, we had some people explain to us, you know, kind of some of the Doctor Who stuff, where to jump on. Because I don't know about you, but for me, it was always just a giant daunting task. There seemed like there was so much to go through, you know? Oh, yeah, m most definitely. I had known of Doctor Who's existence for years. I, I used to subscribe to this um, silly collectibles magazine called 1-800-SHREKER. And they ha always had... Hmm? Me too. Uh, they always had, you know, merchandise from Doctor Who. And I always wondered what it was. I just never knew how to acquire those episodes. You know, this is in the age before the internet. I really didn't know how to get them. So I never really concerned myself with it. I just absorbed myself with Star Trek. But um, I remember there was a TV movie done by Fox with Eric Roberts. Do you remember this? I, I think they know. were trying to bring Doctor Doctor Who to the United States. I remember that came out when I was in middle school. I vaguely remember watching it. And unfortunately, I don't remember much about it, but I, I remember they tried to cater it to more of an American audience and it just didn't work. And it, it just seems Doctor Who's had a huge resurgence in what, the last decade perhaps? I mean, I, I think the new one started in about 0304, if I'm not mistaken, with Christopher Eccleston. Somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah, I've only seen about the first three episodes. I just, I haven't had the time to really sit down and burn through that series yet. I, I've been meaning to. It's on my to-do list, but I've been distracted by other shows. I got about five or six into the new season, so... Or yeah. that, that first season, rather, the, the Christopher Eccleston season. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was something that I was always kind of, like, vaguely aware of and kind of was sort of interested in. I'd seen some stuff in, you know, different magazines and whatnot, and, uh, but never really got around to. But now, now that I am, it's pretty interesting. So this is, this is cool. This is uh, what David Yates is doing. Uh, David Yates is, like, uh, he's hot stuff right now because 
obviously, you know, you direct, you know, a couple Harry Potter films and uh, your stock rises in Hollywood because uh, these films are billion, billion dollar, multi-billion dollar makers. So, uh, but for a while there, it looked like he was going to do uh, the version of The Stand. Doesn't look like that's going to happen anymore. He's it's going to be Ben Affleck now, isn't it? Uh, that's what the report is right now that he's going to be doing that. And I know you're a huge fan of The Stand. That's my favorite book. So, uh, so David Yates off of the stand, Ben Affleck onto the stand, and now David Yates looks like he's going to be doing a Doctor Who film. Uh, interesting thing, though, and I don't know how far along in this, but from what I've read, it looks like they they it may be a while before we actually see this Doctor Who film because they want to make it as good as they possibly can, and uh, it they they said it may take two or three years just to get you know because they don't even have a writer yet so it's still this is a very early early announcement. Uh, let's see. Uh, they also uh, this uh, this is kind of a, a newish story, kind of just came out today. Is uh, the Hunger Games trailer just came out? Uh, let's go ahead and play a little bit of that Hunger Games trailer right now. We could do it, you know, take off, live in the woods. They'd catch us. Well, maybe not. We wouldn't make it five miles. <laughs> welcome, welcome. The time has come to select one courageous young man and woman for the honor of representing District 12 in the 74th annual Hunger Games. It's your first year, Prim. Your name's only been in there once. They're not gonna pick you. Primrose Everdeen. Prim! I volunteer! I volunteer as tribute! Our tributes, Peter Malark and Katniss Everdeen. They just want a good show. That's all they want. There's 24 of us, scale. Only one comes out. So you're here to make me look pretty? I'm here to help you make an impression. And so it was decreed that each year, the 12 districts of Pan Am shall offer up in tribute one young man and woman between the ages of 12 and 18 to be trained in the art of survival and to be prepared to fight to the death. This is the time to show them everything. Make sure they remember you. I just keep wishing that I could think of a way to show them that they don't own me. If I'm gonna die, I wanna still be me. I just can't afford to think like that. new movie coming out um i don't know about you uh, have you read any of these hunger game books 
No, I, I never even had an intention to. I thought they were just children's novels. I, I never gave them a chance. From what I understand, they're like, uh, I, I guess they're what what's considered young adult, whatever, take that whatever you will, mm-hmm. young, young adult books. But uh, you know what? I mean, judging by the trailer, I can, uh, I feel like I can say this. I like the... I liked it the first time when it was called uh, Battle Royale, right? Zing! Who hasn't made that joke already? I, I'm, I know, I know. It's, I'm not. <laughs> look, I'm not sitting here and saying I coined that. I'm sure there were many other people who knew it before me. I'm sure people, when they read the book, thought it was that. But uh, I don't know because I don't think we'll. They talked for several years, I guess, about trying to get an American-made. Uh, I always want to say Casino Royale. That's not right. Uh, an American-made Battle Royale, but. Uh, no one thought that it could probably ever get done here, at least, you know, done properly, where it's like, you know, real, you know, young kids shooting each other up. Oh, no, a million weeaboos would cry out in anger if that movie were whitewashed. I, I don't even, well, see, that, honestly, though, I think that's a story that could be told that doesn't necessarily have to be tied to any specific ethnic culture. I know, but that's originally a, um, a manga if I'm not mistaken. I think that was originally a manga, the entire Battle Royale series. But even so, I mean, I don't I don't think that that's... I don't think it's dependent upon it being anywhere in particular. So I think that, you know, it's not like... If you set Gone with the Wind in England, it doesn't make any sense. But if you took, you know, Battle Royale, you can put that in any country. That doesn't necessarily have to be Japan for it to, you know, make any sort of sense. It's not Japan-dependent, you know? I guess that's true. But that's that's just how I see that. But I, I think, uh, if anything, this is probably as close as we're going to get to an actual uh, Battle Royale being uh, made for the U.S. Sadly, it's probably going to be PG. I, I, well, I think it's like 99.9% sure it's going to be a PG-13 rated movie anyways. But uh, Oh, yeah. There's no way it's going to be as hardcore as the uh, the movie. But I, I don't know. I I'm interested to a degree. I don't think I'm. I'm not. I would never say I'm hyped about this movie at all. But uh, this is the first I've really seen of it, and um, I I like you know some of the cast members and stuff. So, but yeah, we'll see. Did you ever see Battle Royale too? I did not. I have it. We should watch it. Is it any good? No. <laughs> it's horrible. Then why would you make me want to watch this? To be a completionist, to see just how bad it got. Like, the first one is so good, and they, the second one sucks so hard. Why, why? Why does it suck in comparison? What's the difference? I don't want to ruin it for you, but it's it's just not as good. I mean, uh, the survivors of the first Battle Royale form this, like, terrorist group. It's been a while since I've seen it, and it's the copy that I have is a Chinese pirate. So the subtitles aren't probably the best. I, I would imagine the translation is probably very sketchy at best. But it, it's it's just really bizarre. It's hard to describe. It's really hard to describe. Hmm. Probably should announce that I have a pirate of a movie, but I didn't know of any... At the time that I got this movie, I didn't know of any way to get it. Right. But I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I... I I don't know. You tell me something sucks and then say watch it, and that's just I, I. It's hard for me to really get behind that. Well, it's the same reason why you would, should see Troll Two or Manos Hands of Fate, but watch it with the MST3K crew, not by itself. 
There's just movies so the movies so bad that you have to see them. I still have to see The Room. Oh, The Room is fantastic. The Room is just, but honestly, you can't. I don't think you can watch The Room by yourself. I think you have to be with a group of people because I initially tried to watch it by myself, and it was so excruciating that I just couldn't do it. I, I don't know. You're talking to me. I can get through shit. Well, the biggest problem is, is like by the second love scene, that's the most awkward and drawn out, just slow. Even more awkward than the sex scene in Blood Rain. Yeah, yeah. That one's just a bad sex scene. This one is like, this one is just like everyone is so uncomfortable, and you know the chick who is in this thing was like just this bumpkin from the Midwest. He's like, I'm going to make it big in Hollywood. And like she's in this thing and like some dude's just like fake, you know, humping her on this bed or whatever. And like there's just like close-ups of his ass just clenching and whatnot. It's terrible. That sounds amazing. It's terribly amazing, but it really is. It's uh, But it's it's definitely a watch with film, uh, friends kind of film. All right, next up on the list is uh, MGM orders a uh, uh, an Adam Green scripted killer pizza movie now uh it's not like attack of the killer tomato that's what i initially thought but apparently uh adam green the guy who uh wrote frozen did the hatchet movies and stuff he's uh he's written this movie called killer pizza it's about a uh a, a 14 year old boy who gets a job working at a pizza place that's a uh, front for a monster hunting outfit uh i guess it's based off a book or whatever uh chris columbus actually brought it to the attention of uh who uh, of uh, mgm so, uh, so booty you all guys who uh, hate on Chris Columbus all the time. He can do something that's kind of you know cool every now and then. Though I think he he gets too much hate, Chris Columbus. Anyway, so that's that's a whole other topic altogether. But uh, you saw Frozen, right? Yes, I did. So what did you think about that? It was okay. I I mean, there were a few scenes that made me cringe a little bit, um, especially when um, the female lead begins to get frostbite and her hand accidentally freezes to a metal p- part of the uh, the seats that they're in, but not that great. It was okay. I think it could have been done better, but it was all right. But you did like Hatchet, though. Oh, I did enjoy Hatchet. I still haven't seen the sequel, though. No, I haven't either. It, uh, I really, it was available here for that one day, the whole uh, giant Hatchet 2, uh, con- uh, not conspiracy, that's not the right word, uh, debacle, as it were. It was released unrated at certain theaters, and it was out for like literally two days, and then it was gone. And uh, I saw it, and I almost went, but didn't get around to it. And now I'm kind of mad that I didn't, because I would really like to go see an unrated uh, film in a theater. I just, I'd like to support that kind of stuff. Exactly. Uh, and our last little bit of news here. Uh, is Colin Firth is offered the uh, lead antagonist role in Spike Lee's Old Boy. Uh, I really, I still cannot get behind anyone doing an Old Boy remake. Uh, I like when Spike Lee steps out of his regular Spike Lee shoes and goes and does something else like Inside Man. Uh, eh, some would argue 25th Hour is kind of stepping out of his, uh, his shoes a little bit. But uh, I do enjoy when Spike Lee does things that aren't, you know, Spike Lee-ish, if I can uh, make a phrase What up. about that movie he did with John Leguizamo and Mira Sorvino? I can't remember the name of it for the life of me. Do you remember that movie? The one about the, the, the killer, the serial killer in New York City during the 70s. Oh, shit, I can't remember the name oh, of the Son movie. Of oh, that's it. I knew it was SOS or something like yeah, that, but yeah, I knew Son that wasn't was, the name of it. Son of Sam was real good. That, that, was, that was, yeah, it's, that's a little departure for him. 
but uh, but I, I do I do like those kind of movies, and uh, I'm interested to see what he'll do with it. I think Will Smith is still starring in this. I forget. I really I don't follow this news too much because it kind of it's depressing me that you know that they're trying to remake Old Boy for an American crowd. Though, I, as much as I love the man, I'm glad uh, Steven Spielberg is not on it. He was going to direct it at one point, and I was just like, as much oh, as I man. love Spielberg, I do not want him uh, directing a remake of Old Boy. I just don't think that he has the sensibility uh, to do what that movie needs to do. Eh. But, uh, all right, so that's about it for our movie news right now. Uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break and come back with our first movie review this week, Copyright Criminals. You're a rich girl and you're going too far Cause you know it don't matter anyway You can rely on the old man's money You can rely on the old man's money It's a rich girl but it's gone too far Cause you know it don't matter anyway Send money, money won't get you too far Get you too far Don't you know Welcome back, everybody. Now we're on to our first review of this week. Here's a trailer for Copyright Criminals. Say someone recorded this sound. So does that mean they own it if I go? If you sample one note of a sound recording, it's copyright infringement. It's actually taking sounds and meshing them together and putting them all in time to come up with something totally different. By ignoring the rules, they came up with a whole new way of thinking about music. Always buying records, searching, searching. That bass line. We grabbed conga sounds, trumpet sounds, violin sounds, drum beat sounds, and re-manipulated and created our own music. Basically, when I'm sampling, I have all these artists. They're in my band. I mean, you can't just have a, a record that's made up of everybody else's records and not pay them for it. You pay for a guitar, you pay for a piano, you pay for anything else that you make a song with. At the end of the day, the court said, not only is this copyright infringement, but we see criminal prosecution in, in line for this one. Some of those first sampling cases, De La Soul, Bismarcky, P.E., and others, it wasn't that they were trying to be thieves or trying not to get caught. It was just like, we kind of didn't know. Sampling was a very intricate thing for us. We was creating a collage. We kind of looked at music as, as an assemblage of sounds, and we felt that you couldn't copyright a sound. Well, welcome to the Terradome. So many groups unsample my stuff. They say I'm the, the world's number one samplers drummer, so hey. I haven't got a penny for it yet, though, but. <laughs> I'm Clyde Stubblefield, the original funky drummer. His name never appears on any of those compositional credits. He doesn't get royalties. He got paid for the time in the studio. My music is my life. Doom, doom, pop, baby. Look, nobody took hip hop seriously 
until it started making a lot of money. Then, naturally, the lawyers moved in. It became kind of a feasting frenzy. People were getting sued for music they were making. Yeah, I got sued for some of my own stuff. I've sued and I've been sued. That's the nature of the business. For me, I felt like, wow, we're popular now. I'm getting sued by somebody I don't even know. You're either rich enough to afford the law or you're a complete outlaw. If you can catch me, then I didn't do my job. They got so much technology today, they can the speed go up or whatever they want to do with it. And I won't even know it's me. Look at how any bit of culture is made. It's about taking bits and pieces of your influences and, and forging them into something newer and stronger. That's how society moves forward. It doesn't just invent new things. It's, it, it evolves through taking old things and changing them. Go ahead, sample whatever you want. That was the trailer for Copyright Criminals, a 2009 movie directed by Benjamin Frazen uh, and uh, Kimbrew McLeod. I'm, I'm probably butchering the heck out of those names. I don't care. But, uh, yeah, so this is a movie about, uh, as the name implies, copyright criminals. Or are they copyright criminals? Can a sound actually be copywritten? Uh, what's considered fair use? What's considered uh, stealing? Uh, le- all right, let's let's start here. Um, you're a big fan of uh, of like a lot of uh, like synth music and things like that. Things that take samples, a lot of DJ work and things like that. Where do you come down on this, Laura? Well, I think if you do use someone's music as a sample or a part of a beat or something, the original artist should be compensated or even mentioned. Um, I think when I was younger, or uh, when I first started hearing samples. I think the most common, even they even make a, a point of it in the documentary showing um, that uh, MC Hammer's, um, what is it, not too legit to quit, but... Um, oh, come on. I'm not going to help you with this because as as a child... <laughs> Can't the, touch this. I'm sorry. I never go. liked him. Oh I never gosh. liked him, so I don't really first remember his all, music that well. <laughs> first of all, that's just sad that you can't... I mean. I don't care if you never liked MC Hammer. Everybody knows you can't touch this, and I'm sorry. It is a rip off of Rick James' Super Freak. I'm yeah. sorry I'm beating you to punch here, but it's still a good song. Screw you. No, <laughs> it's so well, much fun. But I mean, I agree with uh, what some other folks have made a point of in that film is that you just take the song, to, um, you know, Super Freak, and then put new lyrics on it. That's kind of lazy. However, I have a huge respect for DJs. Um, who can put together completely new songs and sounds by using a bunch of different samples or doing mashups and things like that. I think it does take talent to do that. It's not very talented, in my opinion, to take just a song and change the lyrics. I think it's much better if you're able to take a bunch of songs and mash them together and actually make it sound good. Yeah, it's one of the neat things about this documentary, actually, is that uh, it's 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 very impartial about a lot of stuff. I mean, most documentaries, people can say whatever they will, but they usually have some sort of you know bias to them, left or right. Mm-hmm. I think this one is uh, is pretty like right down the middle. It's like it doesn't they don't criminalize these guys, but at the same time they don't let them off the hook either, uh, because it is. And and what's cool is they talk uh, at a decent length about uh, Clyde Stubblefield, as you heard there in the. Uh, in, in the trailer, but uh, this is a dude who's like, you know, just been sampled his, you know, entire career. They sampled, you know, this one drum beat from him that he did when he was playing with uh, James Brown, 
And it's been used in so many songs, it's ridiculous. And when they start playing for you all of these songs, uh, it's really... It's it's amazing to see that this one dude played this one you know quick drum beat and how it's you know made its way into the music lexicon and like you don't even realize it when you're listening to those songs initially but when you play them all back to back it's like holy crap and this dude he's like playing like small you know little halls and stuff he's not he's not making a boatload of money but you know and and to him. Uh, it's not even really so much about the money as it is just, you know, he's like, hey, just say hello, give me a credit, you know, just write my name in there that, you know, I did something. I mean, that's what he wants almost more than anything. It's just a little bit of recognition for the fact that he did this. Yeah. But what I found so fascinating about it is they, they show a bunch or they play a lot of songs that use that same drum sample that I never even realized that the yell used the same beat. And originally, when I heard hit the drum beat that they talk about, that has been sampled a lot, um, the first thing I wanted to start singing was Straight Outta Compton because it's the same drum beat. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to rap it because I sound incredibly white. Oh, thank you, Whitey. <laughs> but no, that's, <laughs> but that's, that's what it is. It's kind of neat, but at the same time, it also kind of makes you sad about how, uh, well, I mean, let's just put it this way. It is a little lazy of the music industry for these guys to, you know, music artists to just use that same beat over and over. It's just like, yeah, I mean, it sounds different enough, but, you know, I mean, and don't get me wrong, great beat, but maybe you guys could have done something else. I don't know. It's just, it's it's very interesting in, uh, as far as a whole set, and uh, they get into uh, they get into mashups. Uh, one place that I wish that they went in the movie that they didn't go is uh, Parody. Mm -hmm. uh, I would have really liked to see uh, them talk about different parody and copyright laws against parody. They touch on it just a touch with uh, one song uh, that somebody did kind of a, uh, instead of Stairway to Heaven, they did uh, Stairway to Gilligan's Island, uh, which to me, I, those dudes were like sued by Led Zeppelin, and it's it's an absolute parody song, so they mm -hmm. should not have had to pay any money for that. And I would have really liked to hear... You know, obviously, you know, the man of parody is Weird Al, so I would have loved to have Weird Al on there and talk a little bit about uh, about parody and, you know, different laws well, and stuff like that. that's not I the real focus a, no, of the not, documentary. I would have liked to have at least, you know, a, a decent, you could have spent three minutes on that and it, and it would have been interesting. Oh, no, I think that in itself probably deserves its own documentary, like the parody of music, et cetera, because, I mean, there have been several cases where that's been an issue. I mean, yeah. Everyone remembers, well, our age remembers Coolio throwing a hissy fit over Amish Paradise. Yeah, and the funny part is, is originally it wasn't even his song. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> even know that. <laughs> that that was so great. That's like I remember like you watching this movie, and then you were like, "That was a Stevie Wonder song," and that like just blew your mind. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. I really didn't know that. I feel bad that I didn't. Yeah, I was a huge Stevie Wonder fan, and I was just like, and uh, I I didn't know it exactly when uh when Gangster Paradise came out, but uh, I did learn it, you know, maybe a, a year or two later from that because I guess because that came out like about what eighth grade would you say for us? Uh, so seventh, eighth grade, somewhere in that. Yeah, the original Coolio song, yeah, yeah. or or Weird Al's Bad Hair Day. That's a, oh gosh, they weren't uh, that far apart, were they? I don't think so. Maybe a year tops. We weren't in high school, so we we're somewhere in middle school. I'm thinking eighth grade because it also had stuff from Alanis Morissette on there and the That's polka what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. So yeah. somewhere it's somewhere you know, somewhere in there. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm so horrible with years and ma ma uh, you know matching them all up, but uh, you know, what was my point? Oh yeah, so, but anyways, 
yeah, so that's when I, but like my music knowledge kind of sparked its real huge interest within, you know, just before high school and all that stuff. So that's when, uh, you know, I learned about that. But uh, anyways, uh, it's I think it's a really good movie overall. What what are your thoughts? Go ahead. Well, no, I just I I think the documentary is fair and balanced to use a copyrighted term. Haha. But um, it's always been my experience when people complain or bitch about sampling and music. It's normally folks who don't like rap to begin with, who don't like hip hop, period. So it's just very biased. I think in a lot of ways you're right, because uh, when it talks about the whole uh, the whole Bismarcky deal, that uh, it, it's clearly just a like an old white dude who like hates that his song was was put into a rap song and so he's pissed off and then you know that that seemed you don't want to say it but it seems like a, little, a hint of racism hint of racism in there it's kind of just like look this black dude is making now granted he should have you know acquired the rights properly but yes. i think one of the main reasons was it was just like it, oh this son of a bitch is doing my stuff no not gonna have that young man that yeah. kind of Gilbert O'Sullivan little crybaby, but um. Anyways, uh, I think this is a great movie. Uh, if you're a, a fan of music, specifically hip hop, if you're a big hip hop fan, I think that you'll like this, or just uh, music in general. I think, uh, as well as uh, if you're a fan of just kind of like law and different different aspects of the law, what is legal, what isn't legal. Uh, if you're into you know the idea of piracy and what that is, because that that while it doesn't link directly into piracy by any means, it does kind of uh, bring up kind of those piracy issues and questions. At least it did for me. I don't know about I can't speak for you, but uh, it's obviously like a, if it's out there, is it necessarily you know uh, is it stealing? If it's something uh, from someone who's uh, copyright has languished over the years and uh it's gone nowhere what happens to it then and uh but i think that's a whole nother issue for a whole nother time uh you know getting into public domain works and things like that and uh mm -hmm. public domain abuses uh disney being you know one of the main uh okay, they do make that point but i'm surprised they didn't even bring up moby um as an example, because Play, the the album that really got him a lot of notice from people that broke him out of the, I guess, the indie market, used a lot of samples from music that had entered the public domain. Hmm. And if you knew that or not, I, pretty much every song I, is, is public domain. Interesting. Well, I, guess... I could be wrong, but I'm, I'm very certain it, it was public domain. Hmm. Okay, cool. But, uh, all right, so uh, overall, your thoughts on the movie? Would you recommend this, Blake? Oh, yeah, I would recommend it to anyone who is really interested in music, specifically the origins of hip-hop. Uh, as would I. I think it's uh, quite an entertaining film, well wor worth your time. It's available on Netflix, watch instantly, or if you're just uh, not, you know, if you're not rich enough to drop that money, I think I saw it all broken up into several parts on YouTube. So uh, mm -hmm. you can probably check that out that way. I think it might be inclined. on Hulu as well, actually. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I thought I saw it linked up on Hulu. So come on, people. You got no excuse. Go and see this. Uh, see Copyright Criminals, a 2009 movie directed by Benjamin Frazen and Kimbrew McLeod, I guess. I think it's McLeod. McLeod? Like, yeah, like in Highlander. That's, that's not his name. That's not how it's spelled, though. Yes, it is. Oh, Look at it up right now. Yes, it is. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize there was a lot of reading done in Highlander. 
Look it up. <laughs> Triple not... Dog Dare You. That's exactly how it's spelled right. in Islander. It it's McLeod. It, fine. McLeod. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> Look, I'm going to be honest with you. Christopher Lambert never, or Lambert, would you would you say it's Lambert? Because you're, you're uh, the, he's you're French, the French, isn't you're the, he? So I don't Lambert. know. We're gonna say Christopher Lambert never read in Highlander. That's what I'm going with. <laughs> that's does he even read? Period. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Any, anyways, that's our review of Copyright Criminals. Both uh, we both highly recommend it. Uh, so please check that out. Netflix, Netflix, Hulu, wherever. Uh, we're going to take a little break right now and come back with our main review of our new release of the week, Take Shelter. If you having girl problems, I feel bad for you, son. I got 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one. I got the rap patrol on the cat patrol. Foes that want to make sure my cask is closed. Rap critics to say he's money cash holes. I'm from the hood, stupid, what type of facts are those? If you grew up with holes in your zapper toes, you celebrate the minute you was having dope. I'm like, fuck critics, you can kiss my whole asshole. If you don't like my lyrics, you can press fast forward. I beat with radio, if I don't play they show, they don't play my hits. I don't give a shit, so Rap Max try and use my black ass So advertise to give them more cash for ads Fuckers, I don't know what you take me as So understand the intelligence that Jay-Z has I'm from rags, the richest niggas, I ain't dumb I got 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one Hit me! 99 Welcome back, everybody. This week's new release review is Take Shelter, uh, written and directed by Jeff Nichols. Let's take a listen to the trailer. You got a good life, Curtis. I think that's the best compliment you can give a man. Take a look at his life and say, that's good. I love you, man. There's no one. Bye. What's the matter with you, Curtis? It sounds like thunder. What sounds like thunder? I've been having these dreams. They always start with a kind of storm. Missed you at church this morning, Curtis. Thinking about cleaning up that storm shelter out back. I know. I'm sorry. I had to run in here. I'm going to build out the tornado shelter in my backyard. I can use some help. The hell you want to do that for? This needs to be done. You didn't say one word about this to me. I didn't want you worrying about it. Samantha! Are you out of your mind? I'm doing this for us. I know you don't understand. You want to waste money on a stupid tornado shelter? mother was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia in her 30s. I thought people were watching me and listening to me. Stewart's been telling me how strange Curtis has been acting lately. Is anyone seeing this? Told people what you've been doing. I know. I'm sorry. This is how you treat trans. Fine. 
That was the trailer for Take Shelter, this week's new review movie, written and directed by Jeff Nichols. Uh, let's see, starring Michael Shannon, Jessica Chastain, Shay Wingham. Is that how you say that? I guess so. Katie Mixon and Toba Stewart. Um, Here's a little IMDb summary. Plagued by a series of apocalyptic visions, a young husband and father questions whether to shelter his family from a coming storm or from himself. Um, This is, uh, all right, let's just start out this way. Uh, give, Give me your kind of summary of the film as well as what you thought about it. Okay. Well, basically, it's it's just it follows this probably maybe lower middle class. I mean, they they did have some financial. They were a little tight on the money for some things. But um, the husband of this family starts having these really um, intense apocalyptic dreams, and they really begin to affect the way he interacts with his family, even with his dog. And uh, he doesn't know if these things are actually going to come true or if he is possibly uh, going insane like his mother did. Well, not necessarily insane, but having mental problems like his mother did around the same age. Right. She was, so. schizo- she was diagnosed schizophrenic, schizophrenic yeah. right around the time that uh, that he is in his life right now. Pretty and, much, yes. Uh, are these visions real, or is he absolutely insane? And uh, we saw this trailer, I guess, probably about a week prior to this, right? Oh no, the trailer, I want to say that we saw it when we went to go see that abysmal film, Tree of Life. Oh. I want to say that the trailer, that's the first time I saw the trailer and I was like, oh, I might be interested in this movie. All right. Well, let, let me, since you since you bring up Tree of Life, let me start the, let me start this review kind of by saying this. Uh, in, 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 and you'll refute some of this, I'm sure, but whatever. Uh in many ways, this is uh, this movie's well, not many ways, but in in a couple of particular ways, this uh, movie is somewhat like Tree of Life. In as oh. much, as, hold on, <laughs> let me finish my statement. Go ahead. In that, uh, this movie, like Tree of Life, is a slow burn. If you uh, if you don't like movies taking their time and you know walking you through step by step everything that happens, uh, if you if you have to have a movie that's you know banging on all six cylinders all the time, this is probably not going to be the movie for you. Uh, if you rent it at home, you'll probably fall asleep if that's like your kind of thing. I know some people that just can't can't take slow developing movies, and this movie certainly takes its time getting to where it's going, but I think at the end where it's going is, is great. Mm. Uh, overall, um, I, I, I remember the trailer to uh, some degree. I don't. I I didn't remember it uh, as vividly as you as you did, but uh, I I remember seeing some of it. Thought it was kind of an interesting idea, and we saw it was out, so decided to take a look at it. And uh, uh, let's just uh, let's let's talk about a couple of things. Uh, number one, let's talk about Michael Shannon. Now, uh, as as uh, as I know, you are a huge Michael Shannon fan. Yeah, that's actually that's the main reason I wanted to see the film because he is he is fantastic in Boardwalk Empire. I can't recommend that series enough. Uh, when I saw that he was in this film, I was like, oh, I've got to see it. You know, it's a very very interesting premise. I like him. I think he's a great actor. I would like to go see it, and it didn't disappoint. I even forgive Jessica Chastain for being in that piece of shit tray of life. So tell us how you really feel about the tree of life. I like the tree of life. I'm sorry. Boring, horrible. Oh. I've seen some really terrible movies in my time in the movie theater. I have spent I have spent hard-earned money 
to go see Freddie Got Fingered in the theater, to go see <laughs> Meet Joe Dirt in a theater. And I would rather sit through those abortions than sit through Tree of Life ever again. Ever. I think anyone who really says that they like the Tree of Life or will argue and say it is a, a masterpiece is just saying that to sound like a film snob. I don't go as far as to say it was a masterpiece. Oh, I, I know several people who have argued oh, with I, me. I do. Yeah, I agree. I know that there's people out there that do. I, don't, I won't go so far as to say it was a masterpiece. I liked it, and I can't tell you why I liked it, but I did. It was just, I don't know, I, it was enjoyable. And I don't want to say that I liked it because I know that it makes me sound like a stupid, you know, dumb film snob, but there was something about it that at the end of it, I was like, I enjoyed that. And I, I know you, I could, we watched it together and I could just feel you squirming in your seat with hatred at, at that movie. And it was so fun. It's the emperor's new clothes of film. Oh, all right. The, well, meaning that, you know, everyone, people pretend that it's good in order to appease, I guess, critics or whatever. All right. It's, let's it's not, let's not, anyway. let's not bog down on that movie. Let's talk about, let's talk about this good movie. Uh, yes. But yeah, so Mike, uh, Michael Shannon, uh, good Boardwalk Empire. I've only seen a couple episodes from what I've seen of him so far. I enjoy. He's kind of just come on the scene where I am in uh, Boardwalk Empire. I just started. Uh, he was also in uh, The Runaways, which came out. I want to say it was last year. That was really good. He played uh, the uh, the uh, the band, oh, the band's uh, manager or whatever. Uh, I was looking at his IMDb page. He's been in some pretty shitty films. He's been I, in a lot of stuff. That was what I was more surprised about than anything is how many things he's been in. Yeah, I um, I'm amazed at how much he's been in too. Because honestly, the first thing I I even remember seeing him in is Boardwalk Empire. I mean, he's even been in freaking Kangaroo Jack. I think he was the antagonist in that movie. I mean, he's been in some pretty shitty films. Anthony Anderson's masterpiece, and I will not have you sully its name here on this podcast. <laughs> oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Kangaroo Jack is amazing. Um, he's also going to be uh, General Zod in the new Man of Steel film. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't know. Whatever. I we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Jessica Chastain, like you said, she was in the Tree of Life, also in the Help. Shay Wingham, which we also said uh, he was in uh, Boardwalk Empire. Yes, he plays. Um, he plays uh, Steve Buscemi's brother, mm. Eli. Again, it's like I, I'll I'll catch up eventually. He's also in uh, Machete and Fast and the F- uh, Fast and Furious, not the Fast and Furious, but Fast and Furious. That's uh, number four, which was absolutely fantastically horrible. With the quick cameos and stuff, his wife's played by uh, Katie Mixon, obviously Beastbound and Down, and the April Big Cannons, <laughs> big old <laughs> boobs. And uh, honestly, the kind of like underspoken star of this, uh, a little standout from this, is uh, Tova Stewart, who plays Hannah. She's a little seven-year-old girl. Uh, right out of nowhere, she actually is deaf. She plays his deaf daughter in the film, actually is deaf. Uh, they kind of found her out of nowhere, and uh, she's kind of become this little uh, star. We'll see if you know this comes of anything, or if this was just kind of will be like an interesting thing that she can show her kids one day. It's like, look, Mommy was in a movie. All right, well, whatever. Moving on. But... Uh, yeah, I to me this movie was really good. Like I said, uh, but it is definitely a a slow, slow paced film. But uh, if you if that if you dig that kind of movie, if you can uh, if you can go through that, then uh, I think you're in for for uh, for quite a good movie. I, I don't want I don't want to spoil too much by saying too many things about it, whether he's actually insane or not, and 
everything. But uh, so to avoid spoilers, uh, let's just um. I, 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 did anything stick out to you? Let's just start there. Uh, I don't know the the little bit of special effects that you see in the film. I thought were were done really well. Um, I really didn't think that anyone was particularly bad in the movie or could have improved. I, I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's a slow burn, but I I found it very satisfying. Even though every time I see Katie Mixon, all I could think of is April Big Cannons. Yeah. All I, I, I think I'll forever think of her as, as April Big Cannons. That's true. But yeah, uh, one thing to kind of watch for in the movie, uh, this isn't really spoiling anything, I don't think, but uh, he has several dreams uh, within the... Uh, Within the movie, he has these dreams, and uh, his dreams kind of uh, can mirror things that happen in real life or uh, thoughts or anxieties that he has coming up. And uh, what happens? Are are his dreams things that are going to come, or do they, because of those dreams, become self-fulfilling prophecies, things like that? So it has a lot of uh, real interesting ideas and thoughts at play. Um, Overall, really good movie. So, uh, wrapping the, this review up, uh, what do you what do you think? Uh, total all, would you recommend this to people? Um, yeah, most definitely. I gave it five stars on Netflix. Actually, I uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit myself. I don't go quite as far as five. Uh, I I think I would do like a four out of five stars on this, mostly just because I wish. I wish there was a little bit more flashbacks and of or, or uh, you know stuff with the dreams and him kind of going a little bit more insane. I think uh, from what I remembered from the trailer, that's what it kind of sold me on a bit, and that wasn't there quite as much. Uh, I didn't mind the slow burn, but I could see how that could be a factor for some people. Uh, but overall, like I said, uh, I at the end of the day, I'm really uh, I'm really glad I spent the you know ten bucks or whatever it was to go see it. Um, so I would definitely say if it's in your area, and it's probably not in a ton of areas, and that's the sad part is that you know these small uh, release films can't get to a whole you know lot of areas. So uh, sure, it'll be out on DVD and Blu-ray fairly soon. So uh, please check that out. Take Shelter, written and directed by Jeff Nichols, and uh, I'd be interested to see his next uh, film because uh, it's also starring Michael Shannon. And Jeff Nichols' previous film was also with Michael Shannon, so uh, apparently they're buddies. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, yeah, check that out. Take shelter. Uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break right now. We're going to come back and wrap up the show with uh, what's coming out on DVD and Blu-ray, as well as what's out in theaters next week. Stay tuned. T'was in another lifetime, one of toil and blood. When blackness was a virtue, the road was full of mud. I came in from the wilderness, a creature void of form. Come in, she said, I'll give you Shelter from the storm And if I pass this way again You can rest assured I'll always do my best for her On that I give my word In a world of steel-eyed death And men who are fighting to be warm Come in, she said, I'll give ya Shelter from the storm Not a word was spoke between us There was little risk involved Everything up to that point Had been left unresolved 
Try imagining a place where it's always safe and warm. Come in, she said, I'll give you shelter from the storm. All right, everybody, we are back. Going to wrap up the show a little bit here. We're going to talk about uh, what's coming out on DVD and Blu-ray as well as what's coming out in theaters next week. First up on Blu-ray and DVD this week, uh, here are some of, like, we're not going to go through all their releases because there's a boatload of them, and, uh, you know, here's the ones that I think are somewhat important or at least interesting. Um, the first up is uh, West Side Story, uh, directed by Robert Wise, who also did The Sound of Music. This is the 50th anniversary edition uh, of the West Side Story. Ten Academy Awards the sucker got. Uh I honestly think that was a had to be a slow year because I West Side Story is okay, but it's not great. It's no sound of music. I'll say that. Uh, loosely based on kind of Romeo and Juliet, uh, uh-huh. stars Natalie Wood and a lot of other white people pretending to be Puerto Ricans, which is real well, that's fun. that was the thing back then, which was real fun. But it's a it's a three disc set. Looks like it's got a ton of stuff in it. So if you're a West Side Story fan, this is the time to buy this thing because. Uh, it it I'm sure it looks really good and has a lot of interesting special features on it. Two disc Blu-ray and a third disc is the DVD, and it also comes in a giant 50th edition anniversary set, just like Sound of Music did. So are uh, people really into that that movie? I mean, really admittedly, are. I've never seen it. All I know of West Side Story is that one Saturday Night Live sketch where you know that that running bit where Norm Macdonald is in the middle of a musical and he's being serious, and all of a sudden everyone around him breaks out into a song. <laughs> That's all I know of of West Side Story. It's it's an okay movie. It's not super like um uh, I watched it again not too long ago, probably about 2 years ago, I guess. And uh it's it sounds horrible and it's going to be very un-PC for me to say, but it's it's kind of a gayish film. It it is. It's sort of like just a lot of dudes singing and dancing, and that like. And this is coming from a straight dude who loves musicals. My next, uh, my next DVD we're going to talk about. You know, will definitely you know prove that I you know a huge fan of musicals. But this one is just like I don't know. It seems kind of silly. Officer Krupke though is probably like the best song in the whole, uh, in the whole show. I enjoyed that song a whole bunch. Uh, but. I don't know. It's it's a decent movie, but it's I don't think it's a great movie. Like I said, if we're if we're looking at Robert Wise movies, I'm going to Sound of Music over West Side Story any day of the week. But yes, to add a little bit more to my uh, boy, this guy is weird. He loves musicals a lot. But uh, next release is My Fair Lady on Blu-ray. Oh boy, I am excited for this. I'm not gonna lie to you. I really enjoy My Fair Lady. Audrey Hepburn, Rex Harrison, uh, directed by jo- George Cukor. I really, really love this movie, and uh, that's that's all I'm gonna say about it. Never seen it. <laughs> Even oh man, Audrey Hepburn's like lo, lo, Courtney accent is really overdone and really, really terrible. It's really, really bad. And if you listen to Rex Harrison, Rex Harrison is obviously if you're a fan of Family Guy, Rex Harrison is obviously the uh, the voice that uh, Seth MacFarlane is doing for Stewie and Family Guy. Uh, but uh, really good film, uh, My Fair Lady. Great songs, uh, the uh, the costume design and set design and everything in that movie is really, really good. Uh, so if I'm picking up a musical this week, I'm picking up My Fair Lady over West Side Story anytime. Uh, next on the list is, uh, oh, gee, look, another Evil Dead release. This is Evil Dead 2, the 25th anniversary edition, obviously directed by Sam Raimi. I don't know what special features this thing has on it, but... Uh, 
It's an is Eagle. Is this the first time it's on, available on Blu-ray? I think this is the first time this one's available on Blu-ray. See, now you can get uh, Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, and Army of Darkness. All are finally available on Blu-ray. But uh, give it six weeks, and there'll be another of each of them, I'm sure. Like Super Boomstick Edition or something like that? I, I, I don't know if this is true or not, but I would, I would venture a guess that Evil Dead is probably all the Evil Dead movies have been reissued more times than any other DVD out there. I could be wrong, but that's just a good guess. If if it's not the all-time, it's it's probably very high up there. So, uh, I don't know. Evil Dead people go out and get there. They're, they're a fervent bunch. Uh, next on the list is Bellflower, written and directed by Evan Globdell. I believe that's how you say this. Uh, I actually got a chance to see a 35-millimeter print of Bellflower uh, last Thursday uh, in Charlotte. Uh, pretty good film. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It's very weird, very strange. I think you would like the soundtrack a lot. Um, but uh, apparently it was done for like $17,000. I was shocked when I found out that the budget of it because I would have said, you know, it looks like a low-budget movie, but if I was to venture a guess, I'd say anywhere between 1 and $3 million at the low end. So to learn that this, you know, reportedly cost around seventeen thousand dollars, I was super, super impressed with that. And uh, written, uh, written, directed, and starring uh, uh, Evan Globdell, I believe is how you pronounce that name. So uh, if you're a fan of kind of independent stuff, uh, please check that out. I was talking with a friend of ours, Matt Smith, and he he said he didn't really dig the movie all that much. Of course, he saw it at a place called Action Fest. And this is not a super actiony movie, so if I saw that at at a thing called Action Fest, I'd probably be a little disappointed too. But uh, check that out; uh, you'll probably be able to rent that soon. Uh, we saw a trailer for this next movie uh, not too long ago, and it's finally coming out on Blu-ray. Uh, we'll definitely have to check this out: The Weird mm-hmm. World of Blowfly. You you were the one that showed me this trailer uh, first. Yes, I'm a sucker for sad documentaries. You I are. really am. I like I, but I mean, it, I I found it very fascinating. I'd never heard of this guy before, and I just happened to see the trailer available on Zoom on my Xbox Live, and uh, it just caught my imagination. I was like, oh, you know, this guy apparently had a pretty big influence on the hip hop world, um, because I guess as Blowfly, he does like these really raunchy raps, and he's dressed up in like really flashy outfits i i just was like wow i really need to to see this and then to hear it, they explain it in the trailers so, i mean i'm not really spoiling anything that he used to write um a lot of r&b songs for artists and in a really dumb move i don't know if it's dumb or if he was maybe just swindled he sold the rights to his music for just only a couple thousand dollars if he had kept on to them i mean if he held on to them and sold them now it would be worth millions of dollars Hmm. Which is just really disappoint, or just really sad to see that someone who was so talented had something that should have earned him a lot of money struggle now in his old age, just doing these concerts as Blowfly. That's uh, the weird world of Blowfly. Uh, it'll be available on DVD and Blu-ray uh, this week. Uh, and the last uh, to mention here is uh, Greg. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. There's gonna be some names here, and I'm gonna screw them up, and I don't give Georgia a. Georgia Maroder. Well, aren't we? Do you, do you, <laughs> You want to read the copy? <laughs> no, you can do it. Smart mouth. <laughs> do it. You can do it. It's his version. How do we pronounce? Uh, Giorgio Moroder, I think. Giorgio Moroder. I am an Italian stereotype. That sounds more like Borat than Italian. Whatever. It's all the same kind of. That they're from that. Con- they're from that continent over there. That's all close to the same shit, right? 
No. All right, shut up. Uh, <laughs> it's his version of Metropolis, this special edition. Now, uh, I'm going to read this from Amazon because I can't describe this without uh, the help of something else. Uh, in 1989, or excuse me, 1981, three-time Academy Award-winning composer Giorgio Moroder <laughs> began a three-year endeavor to restore the science fiction classic Metropolis. During this restoration, Mordor uh, made the controversial decision to give the film a new contemporary score and added pop music soundtrack featuring songs from some of the biggest pop stars of the early MTV area, area, era. Excuse me. Ugh. Including Pat Benatar, Billy Squire, Freddie Mercury, Bonnie Tyler, Adam Ant, John Anderson, and more. In addition, <laughs> in addition to the new score, missing footage was re-edited into the film. Intertitles were removed and replaced with subtitles, and the sound effects and color were added, creating an all-new experience and all-new film. For more than a quarter century, this version of the film has remained out of print until now. A new HD transfer was created from one of the few remaining prints available, and Kino Lorber, I guess that's the company that's putting it out, is presenting the film in its best possible quality as seen in the original release in August 1984. Uh, this is this is interesting that this comes out, and we're also reviewing uh, copyright criminals, is that uh, uh, th to me this is, a, uh, this is kind of a... This is just, it's an interesting thing, but I think it's only going to be for, like, super fans and collectors and stuff that kind of want this interesting idea uh, because it's not the original film. It is kind of a... Uh, it's Andy Warhol. Maybe, yeah, it's Andy Warhol. It's a Ted Turner. possible bastardization of this, of this great science fiction classic, and... Uh, I don't know. Some people might. I'm sure. I'm sure there are. I'm sure there's legions of people that really, really dig this movie uh, in this in this form. But uh, I don't think it's going to be for your main, you know, group of really hard cineasts, unless you're like you know completionist or somebody who would like to see an experiment like this done. And what happens when somebody decides to remix something? I mean, think about what would happen if you know somebody did that to you know Jaws or something like that. You know, it's like. Well, oh, it's already been done, and it's called the Star Wars Special Edition. <laughs> that's that's a very good point. This is this is the Star Wars Special Edition of the 1980s. Yeah, well, I'm actually really interested in this. Ooh, I want to see ooh. it. What if we put Adam Ant into uh, A New Hope? I would watch it. <laughs> I do. I I have a huge guilty pleasure of early 80s music, early 80s pop music. I don't know who John Anderson is. He may be part of some band, and I'll probably kick myself for not realizing it or recognizing his name, yeah. but I really do like all those previous artists. Pat Benatar, Billy Squire, who can't rock out to the stroke, really. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm curious. Does it use new music from those artists or previous songs that they had released? I am not sure. Uh, in the small clip that I saw online, it looked like it might just all be instrumental-type stuff, but I, I'm not 100% sure. I haven't, I haven't seen it myself. But that's why I'm kind of interested to possibly see it. I don't know if I'll... I don't know if I could buy it for... I don't know how much it's going for, probably like 15, 20 bucks or something like that. I don't know if I could necessarily want to drop that kind of money on it, but... Uh, I'm I, sure it'll be available at the local independent video place that we like to go to, yeah. but uh, I, I would really like to see it just because I do enjoy that music. Yeah. I, I, I have to admit, I've never seen the original Metropolis. I've only seen the anime interpretation. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not even going to do my Japanese accent for that, but... Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I think everyone's pretty familiar with the story yeah. of Metropolis. So I, w I would like to see it. I think it would be pretty 
pretty interesting. Yeah, that'd be neat if they got that on Netflix, watch instantly, and you could have like two TVs hooked up side by side and kind of play them as, I don't know, I'm weird like that. I'm like, let's do a side by side comparison. I'm such a dork. Anyways, that's uh, that's it for the uh, what I consider to be the major and interesting uh, DVD and Blu-ray releases this week. And uh, if you're pissed off that I didn't put Larry Crown in there, uh, suck it. I don't care. Uh, but but that's such a great masterpiece. It looks like it's going to be uh, a great film. Anyways, uh, let's talk real quick about what's coming out in theaters next week. We got Happy Feet 2. Excited for Happy Feet 2? No. Hey, are, are you sure? I'm very certain. All right, fine. Uh, let's see. Uh, we have The Descendants. It's uh, starring George Clooney, directed by Alexander Payne, who did Sideways about Schmidt and Election. We saw a trailer for this. Uh, looks like it might be all right. Looks like it's very kind of uh, Alexander Payne-y, as it were. Uh, and, of course, I know the movie that you're looking forward to most of all, Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 1, baby. Kill it with fire. <laughs> You're not looking forward to Twilight? You're not going to sit up there with uh, a whole bunch of tweeny girls and, and scream at dudes taking off their shirts, staring Middle-aged at mommies. Into the, that's probably what it is more than anything. Middle-aged women. I think one of the people who are really uh, into Twilight or what Twilight appeals to is the same demographic that goes to strip clubs for women. Ah. The, the young, the barely legal, and the <laughs> chicks in the 40s, you know? Like mid forties, fifties, you know. That it's just there's just something really creepy about the Twilight fan base. Especially, I would say, well, like especially when you get into that older group that's just like pining over these like seventeen year old boys. That's just and like, damn it, Robert Pattinson will always be Cedric Diggory. I, you know, I think you've lost that bet. Damn it, he <laughs> was Cedric Diggory first. Damn you. I don't. I don't think he's. I. And here's where the tough part is for all of these guys is like I don't think that they're ever going to escape this crap. Well, there's not anyone I think that's particularly amazing in those movies. I, I, I admit I've I've never finished Twilight. I couldn't get through it. I like my vampires nasty. I don't like them all sparkly and lame. You know. I, I honestly I I sat down. I did try to watch a Twilight film. I made it like. I tried two separate times because I'm like, I got to watch this. It's garbage. I know it's garbage, but I got to know why everyone loathes this garbage. It's just like it's forcing yourself to watch something you know is terrible. And both times I could never get more than 30 minutes through because it was just the most like it was, it's not even bad in that way. I mean, maybe and I did and I watched it by myself. So I should really I think we should get friends together and watch them to just to make fun of them, because I think by yourself, it becomes more of a more of a task. Then and then does. you have to admit you actually watched it. Well, I, well, that's the thing. I think you can be fine to admit that you got together with a bunch of friends, had a bunch of beers, got really drunk, and watched it and made fun of it. I think I think the world thinks that's okay. I yeah, I can MST3K it, no I problem. I don't see there being anything wrong with that, but I think if you watched it alone and had you know a single glass of Merlot and you you know cried a little bit at the end, yeah, you probably have a problem. Shame on you mentioning Merlot when you just talked about Sideways. Oh, whatever. Tisk, tisk. I was not even making that. <laughs> Good Lord. Anyways, so that's uh, what's coming out. So oh. not a lot uh, not a lot coming out in theaters this week. Uh, we may, uh, I may go back and watch something that we've, mi- that we've missed over the past couple of weeks here. Uh, it's been kind of real busy just doing other things. So I uh, might go back. Eyes of March is still out. Harold and Kumar 3D Christmas. I haven't watched that yet. And, uh, 
So we may go back and do some things. But if you want to find out what we're going to be uh, watching and reviewing next week, just go to thefilmfind.com and uh, check out everything that we got there. We're going to have uh, our links for the Twitter is up there. The... Uh, the Facebook fan page is up there, so like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, uh, make sure you bookmark the website, review us, uh, subscribe to us, and review us on iTunes. So we have all that kind of stuff together. Uh, that would be really cool, and that way you can kind of keep up. Pardon me, Ooh, got a lot of burps going on. Yeah, it's like that's Diet Coke happening right there. But uh, yeah, so follow us on those things, so you can really uh, you know catch up on everything that we're going to be talking about uh, in the upcoming times. And uh, I tell you what. Uh, I, I think our first show was pretty decent. What do you think? I hope so. I don't know if I even spoke enough. Ah, you did. We happened to talk about a lot of things I didn't know much, um, much about, you know? It doesn't matter. I, I, don't, I don't care. I, don't, I mean, that's the, that's the to me, that's the cool part about movies is that uh, there's no way anyone can see everything. It's impossible to do. I mean, if you watch movies 24 hours a day from the morning, uh, from the moment you were born to the moment that you died, you still would never see everything that's available to you. And I think uh, it's daunting and yet kind of cool at the same time to where there's always going to be uh, something that other people haven't seen. And uh, then, and that's a lot of what this show is about, really. Why I like uh, doing this kind of stuff and why I like talking to people about movies is that they can... Uh, you know, it, it's discovering new things. It's like discovering things that I haven't heard of or, you know, helping someone else out and showing them something that they've never heard of before. I'm sure, you know, a decent amount of our audience who might be listening to this probably never even heard of Take Shelter. And now that they've, you know, heard our review, maybe they'll be interested and go out and see it. And it's like that's – to me, that's what this uh, podcast is all about is just getting to uh, – uh, getting other people to, uh, you know, enjoy movies that they may never, they they might never have heard of, and vice versa. And I can learn mm -hmm. from other people, and that's what this is all about. So, uh, also, if you want to email us uh, any questions, comments, anything like that, suggestions to us as to what we should be reviewing, uh, just email us at thefilmfind at gmail dot com. Again, all these things are available at thefilmfind dot com. Make sure you put the T H E in there, thefilmfind dot com. Uh, that is it for our inaugural episode here. First out of the box, I think we did a fairly decent job, all things, uh, all things said. But uh, I hope in the future we can delve more into B horror love. That is what you like. You enjoy the B horror movies and stuff like that. So well, uh, maybe not necessarily just B horror, like B movie horrors, but just terrible movies. B movies. I love finding those guilty pleasures. Oh, not necessarily terrible. Not every B movie is bad. <laughs> There's some good ones out there. But yeah, those definitely be things that we uh, we do in the uh, in the upcoming episodes, and we'll have uh, we'll introduce new segments and things like that. But uh, thanks you thanks you guys for uh, bearing with us through this first episode. It might have been a little rough and rocky. We've had some Skype connection problems and things like that throughout. But uh, hopefully things will get better and better. Uh, so if you just subscribe to us on iTunes, you'll be able to uh, catch every new episode that comes out and. Uh, that's it for Laura McCarricker. I am Adam Portress, and uh, we'll see you next time, guys. Later. <laughs>